The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 164 for July 19th, 2009. Happy birthday to the cell phone junkie, tracking your move with your phone, and it's all about the applications. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. And today's show is brought to you by Audible. Please visit audible.com slash cpj for your free audiobook download. Well, today is July 16th, and it is the third birthday of the Cell Phone Junkie podcast. It has uh, been a long time coming here. We've been going here for three years. And I put together a post, and if you're interested in reading kind of how the, the show got started and why I decided to do so, you can read all about it over at thecellphonejunkie.com. And, and really, it was coming from years of spending countless hours reading through information on the web, whether it was RSS feeds or websites or forums or whatever, and listening to podcasts and never really feeling fulfilled about what was happening in the cellular industry. So I decided that I wanted to try my hand at it and put together a podcast of my own that of course would then put together everything that the cell phone enthusiast or cell phone junkie as it were would like to know that was happening in that week and we're entering into our fourth year now with the show and we've got a lot of stuff coming up in this year we're very excited about what's happening Uh, as you've heard we've got a new sponsor for this show audible Uh, we are still with our our netflix sponsorship as well we've had a lot of vendors sending us products recently we spent some time at a industry trade show this year so we're really kind of taking off and, and evolving the show into something that is you know constantly enhancing what you're listening to every week and we feel that it is uh, quite possibly the best podcast in the cellular industry, and we want to keep it that way. So as always, if you have any feedback for us, please give us a call to 206-203-3734 or send us an email to questions at thecellphonejunkie.com. And of course, we'll be happy to play them on the show. So thank you for your support. Three good long years, Joey. Uh, It's been a lot of fun. I can't wait for the next three. It has. I remember listening to the first show when you were uh, telling me about the uh, your new endeavor, and I thought, wow, seems like a lot of work to me, but uh, <laughs> it's come a long way. It has come a long way. We've we've done a lot of uh, tweaking and iterations over the time, but you know the, the the common theme remains the same. It's all about phones. Yep, and in your overly harsh in your early episodes, they were very good. <laughs> I, I listened to them, and I I just want to crawl under a rock. Just. <laughs> You know. Maybe the sound quality wasn't uh, quite on par with the the current technology, but hey, it was still uh, good content. Just as kind of a reference point when we're, we're talking about that, I mean, you know, things have constantly upgraded, and, and both of us have actually done that, where we've we've upgraded our, our, our systems, we've got, you know, very high-end, uh, you know, in equipment now that we use for the shows to record it. And, and it comes from, I remember the first show I had a gateway microphone. So for those that remember the old gateway PCs, when you bought the PC, it came with the little microphone on the stand that had the little, the little foam screen that went over the end of it. And that's what I used as a microphone. And, uh, you know, from there to, uh, and that was hooked into just a regular HP pavilion computer and, you know, upgraded of course to, uh, having you know a Mac, I'm a big Mac fan with uh, a Sterling Audio ST79 high end, 
microphone and a setup. So it, it's it, it's come a long way. That the audio quality is definitely much better. Uh, we've got a, a system going real well where we, we absolutely uh, believe that it's the best way to go as far as recording. Where that's you record what's called double ender, where we each record locally and then combine them, and it gives you the best possible audio quality for the track. So that's that's kind of how I uh, how how I think you know it is probably the best benchmark for looking at how things have come. I think so as well, I mean, especially with the, the you know just just the flow of the show, you know, and the content that's coming out. It's just uh, it's nice and refined. Even looking back at like two years ago, it was, you know, maybe 10 different stories per week. And it was, you know, now we're pushing 50 most weeks just to, you know, and that's, and that's with a lot of cuts and it's, you know, just trying to get the information of what's happening out there. So a lot of fun, Uh, but let's move on here. We got, uh, we got stuff to talk about. We, we got some more shows to record here. And uh, so let's move on. But Joey had a good experience this week, or maybe not a good experience. I don't even know what this is about, but apparently it was with Verizon. That's all I know at this point. So I can't wait to hear this. Well, today it went to the Verizon store because uh, a recently acquired uh, BlackBerry Flip for uh, my father is behaving very bizarre on Verizon. And I found some other reports online for this. The, the internal clock and his email was not downloading. And this would be a, a BIS connection for an IMAP type email server. It just stops working. The, 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 the clock on the outside, the analog uh, style clock keeps up and maintains time appropriately. But the inside one, you open it up, shows four days ago, and just a, a, a stopped clock, you know? It, so it's fairly worthless. Uh, I checked the software version. Uh, that was unfortunately the latest version that Verizon had published, which is uh, it's .234. Uh, there's a later version for a, a different cell phone carrier, CDMA carrier, that I haven't put on yet. I'll probably actually exchange the phone first through Verizon uh, customer care. But... Uh, going into the Verizon store, uh, they they bizarrely stand around uh, and, and look at you and tell you to type your name into this uh, computer when you walk in, which is uh, kind of lame. Um, next thing is uh, you sit there and, and wait while other people stand around and, and other uh, customer care people are just standing there doing looking like nothing, uh, waiting for your name to be called uh, in a strange situation which basically forces you to look at the devices i, I believe is what all this in, is intended oh, certainly. to do I mean, maybe maybe while you're waiting to get something fixed you'll decide to buy something new that's uh what i think the the intention of the, all this weird this weird uh funneling of people is is for so uh, i really don't like that um it granted i don't like lines either and having to stand and wait in line so i suppose when the store is busy then that system makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But when the store is not busy, somebody should come help you instead of uh, in a, instead of the you know four associates standing there doing nothing. Anyway, I'll get on to this, on to more <laughs> the meat of the story. So uh, the the guy looks at the phone and says, "Okay, well, uh, yeah, it works now." And um, after already explaining to him that you know trying the network time settings that BlackBerry has in their time and date area, changing from BlackBerry to network or to network to BlackBerry does no good. It, it, it'll run for uh, a day, a couple of hours, 10 minutes, and it'll stop again. Um, and uh, having to you know, emphatically say, no, that does not work. Um, he then proceeds to go to crackberry.com to look up other people's experiences <laughs> with the Verizon phone. And I said, well, I've already done that, and uh, there's no clear answer to this issue. So 
Um, sure enough, uh, he said he, he goofed around with the phone for another 20 more minutes or something and said, well, I'm uninstalling some games or something on oh. there. And I had no idea what he's talking about because nothing's been installed in there. And then he says, well, if it does it again, then call up customer care and get it swapped out. Okay. Makes, makes sense to me. Of course, by the time we get into the car and, 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 you know, drive five minutes, the phone's already, the, the clock has now stopped both on the outside and the inside. Of course. <laughs> Of course. So it wasn't getting time from... He had changed it to the BlackBerry server time, and it wasn't getting time from that at all. So some something is it, it seems pretty pretty out of whack here. Thinking about that, uh, the network time would keep the outside clock updated, but now the BlackBerry time doesn't even keep the outside clock updated. And it was really bizarre because the, the, uh, the screen where it shows you your clock and then the network time, because uh, it shows you both in that, in that settings screen, the the BlackBerry the the device's time was stopped ten you know ten ten or twelve minutes previous, and the network time showed the correct time on that screen and it always does, but the phone's internal clock isn't going it's just sitting there and that could be part of the reason why the the email stops downloading mm-hmm. as well so uh, there's definitely a problem with this uh, Verizon Flip and I don't know if it's widespread between uh, for every. Verizon Flip, or if there's actually some sort of hardware issue with uh, certain handsets. So I'll have to uh, keep you up to date on what happens. And if you've got any of these experiences with your Verizon BlackBerry uh, Pearl Flip, I guess it's what's the 80, is it the 8230? 30. Yeah. Yep. So if you've got an 8230 and, and you are or are not experiencing this, we'd love to hear about it because it uh, sounds like we need to get uh, get an answer. And it could just be a simple hardware swap, but it sounds like it's more than just one device. It's It's happening over multiple you know, multiple models. I, well, I, I it's, it's, it, yeah, certain, pe- a, f- a few people are reporting it. it. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't seem widespread. Okay. Uh, because I, I would, I would imagine a lot more forum posts about uh, people having issues with the internal clock because it's fairly obvious when you open the phone up. But, you know, uh, today I opened it up and it said it was Monday still. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and that's, that's many days late. Yeah. Many, many days late. All right. Well, uh, stay tuned. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll be back with the, the rest of Joey's Verizon uh, experience uh, as we move forward here. Anyway, uh, one more thing here before we get into the news. We've got a contest today, and this is from Richard Solo. If you have not taken the time to check out the Traveling Internationally with the Cell Phone Junkie post, make sure you head over to thecellphonejunkie.com and read that and read all about how I use the Richard Solo battery backup solutions to keep myself powered as I was traveling uh, on a vacation here this past month. And we are giving away the 1200 milliamp hour battery with flashlight for iPhone or iPod. That's excluding the shuffle, but this is a battery backup that has a flashlight on it that was good for any of the iPhones that are out there or any iPod except for the shuffle. So what you need to do to win this is to send a voicemail to our phone number, 206-203-3734, or an email to questions at the cell phone junkie and tell us the worst place you've ever run out of power on your phone. One person will be randomly chosen as the winner after the deadline of noon Eastern on Saturday, July 25th of 2009, and we'll announce that winner on the next show. That's number 165. So send us where the worst place you've ever run out of power 
uh, either voicemail or email, and uh, we'll pick someone. So check this one out uh, if you're interested and you've got yourself either an iPod or an iPhone, which most people do. Uh, it's a great solution. They make very, very solid products, and uh, Richard Solo is uh, very generous in giving us one of these to give away. So thanks to Richard Solo, and get your entry in. Well, let's jump into the news. First story, WiMAX growth is slowing amid the global recession. Apparently, WiMAX subscriber growth has slowed in the first quarter of 2009, and the emerging wireless technology will continue to struggle at least through the end of the year, says a survey by a research company Maradavis. The global recession weighed very strongly on both subscriber additions and average monthly revenue for business users in the first quarter. And the survey company says that WiMAX operators are running into a variety of hurdles, including regulation, delayed allocation of spectrum, and their own deployment problems. Uh, looks like this could be one of the biggest issues that WiMAX is going to possibly face, which is something that we wouldn't have even have talked about over a year ago. So uh, a very interesting thing, uh, looking at some of the numbers, the number of subscriptions grew about 13% in the first quarter compared to 30% in the fourth quarter. And there were approximately 3.5 million wireless broadband subscribers worldwide in the first quarter, which is about half uh, uh, using the WiMAX technology. 400,000 more people signed up for wireless broadband service in the quarter. Uh, still, the number of subscribers uh, was 70% higher than a year earlier. So a lot more people have wireless broadband, but uh, the actual technology of WiMAX is seeing some problems. So this could be the nail in the coffin, if you think about it, for the technology. When you, when you look at what's coming down the pike, when you've got LTE just around the corner, and really going to be I would say maybe not a superior technology, but much more flexible being able to be used across the world that people may just wait for it. They may say, forget it, forget it. I'm fine with 3G right now and I'll upgrade myself to LTE when it comes to that time. Yeah, it's very, very, very possible, Mickey, uh, you know, especially with with the Sprint and Clearwire seemingly backing down on the, the, the planned rollouts here in the U.S. for uh, WiMAX. Uh, you know, we've kind of seen that writing on the wall, you know, starting what a year and a half ago when it seemed like they kind of kept ratcheting back what they were going to do, you know, the ambition. And then especially then when Verizon started ratcheting up their you know plans for LTE, it, it didn't seem good to me. And, you know, we've kind of seen that in the past, Mickey, we, we've seen other technologies kind of, kind of launch and then fizzle slightly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and you know, it's really tough. It's obviously, I mean, these investments for these companies equate to billions and billions of dollars. And, and sometimes these things are just, you know, they, they just don't go anywhere. And it's, it's a gamble, um, for these companies. And, and obviously with the, the pressure from LTE and the big boys, you know, AT&T and Verizon, um, here in the U S, uh, you know, promoting LTE, a competing standard, eh, it, it just may not make sense in the long run. Yeah, the number of people that are adopting it still seems low because the areas that it's deployed are, you know, very small, very restrictive. So if you happen to live in one of those areas, you're lucky, but it's, it's you know, they're few and far between right now. Yeah, and right now uh, that's the case. But, you know, I, as you were just mentioning that, Mickey, I, I see a business strategy here uh, quite possibly. Um, you know, think of how Walmart started off in small towns only. You, could, you couldn't find a Walmart in a metro area ever. Didn't exist. They went from the outside in, and now they're in every metro area, and you, you can't drive ten miles without running into one. I wonder if WiMAX, you know, Clearwire here is now starting to think that maybe we'll let LTE build up in the metro areas first, as we've covered blanketed, you know, these small, medium, you know, small to medium sized towns 
uh, you know, that are that are kind of satellites to metro areas. Uh, you know, in that case, WiMAX could have a, a major impact. Um, there's a, there's a strong need for it, for sure. We've got... Absolutely, because especially in those towns, you know, broadband options usually are, are way more limited as well. And and then, of course, you've got, you know, the population density that's not real dense for wireless, wireless but but it's cheaper to implement. Yeah, it is. And this is why wireless is being, if you take that to the extreme, why wireless is the technology being used for voice when you try and implement a some sort of telephone network in a very rural area. I'm not talking like farmland off a freeway. I'm talking like middle of Africa. And how do you get yeah, voice communication? The emerging markets. Yeah, the emerging you know society where they're now starting to you know get into more modern technology. It, it, wireless is the way to go. Yep. For sure. So anyway, it uh, it's slowed uh, that the growth that is the growth is slowed, and uh, the recession is of course to blame. But you know we'll uh, we'll we'll keep our keep our eyes on WiMAX because it's it's a good technology for sure. Well, how would you like to know exactly where your things are on a cross country move? That was the theory behind a story that was written and uh, copied over on Slashdot, and that is uh, the idea of taking a phone, an iPhone that is, that's got a GPS receiver in it, as well as a 3G data connection, and putting it in one of the boxes that you pack, packing that box on the truck, and sending it from Chicago to Oakland. This uh, very enterprising individual decided that by doing this, he would be able to figure out exactly where his items were. He ended up taking a look uh, on at, at all the different solutions out there, everything from GPS tracking devices, such as you know the TomToms of the world and whatnot, and opted at the end to go with an iPhone because it was a $99 solution with a $99 Mobile Me subscription with an extra $80 for a battery pack, and at the end, if he wanted to, he can return most, if not all, of these things uh, when he gets done with it because there's obviously a 30-day uh, opt-out if you decide to cancel your AT&T contract. So what he did then is logged into MobileMe, checked himself uh, or checked out to make sure that the phone was active and working, plugged in the battery, put it in the truck, and then watched it as it went across the country. And the very interesting thing about it is to just see how quickly it went. Uh, he was able to track it uh, just in a couple of days uh, from Chicago over to Oakland. You know, along the way, there were some bumps in the road. There were some errors that came up, you know, most likely when the truck went through areas that didn't have cellular coverage, which, of course, happened. And uh, just coming back in to uh, service then was able to actually watch his stuff pull into the Bay Area and uh, got there actually earlier than he expected. The movers wanted to deliver it earlier and uh, ended up having to make uh, arrangements to get it delivered. But anyway, a very inexpensive way to track your things. It, it really gets me thinking about some of the other uses of this. We've read stories in the past of customers of the iPhone who have had their phone stolen and then logged into MobileMe and actually tracked them using a netbook and a you know 3G dongle plugged into the netbook, walking around tracking to find out where the phone was. So there's all sorts of different uh, ways that you can you know take advantage of the you know, basically, you know, mobile me, uh, locate me features, I guess what they're calling it. And you're find my iPhone and so you can, you can check out where your packages are traveling or, you know, maybe where your, your phone is. And I know there's a way to tie in other phones into your mobile me account as well. So you could easily do that and uh, make sure that you've got all your family's phones tracked anytime you want to see them. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting uh, use of technology. I think that's kind of neat. You know, maybe we've seen I've seen uh, reports on consumerists of of some uh, fraudulent moving companies holding your stuff hostage. 
uh, and, and basically extorting, you know, multiple thousands of dollars for them to actually make the delivery uh, of your items to you uh, upon move. So uh, something like this could, uh, you know, be used for law enforcement to actually recover your stuff and, you know, maybe uh, get it back without those uh, extortion fees. But uh, very fascinating use of technology. And one thing I was thinking about, you know, inside boxes, inside a truck, you can't get a, a, a GPS, you know, a traditional GPS signal. Sure. So something like this must be using uh, assisted GPS with uh, tower uh, or, or maybe even just exclusively a tower connection um, data in order to actually develop these, you know, maps as it's going because there's no view of this guy whatsoever and and a very limited signal probably. Yeah, that, that's probably very true. And I guess you wouldn't necessarily need the GPS side of it if you've got that, you know, that ability to triangulate via towers. And, and quite honestly, I mean, that's going to give you, in, in a major metro area, triangulation is going to give you within, you know, a couple hundred yards in many cases. In this type of scenario, it's probably going to be within a couple of miles. But when you're talking about a trip of, you know, three, 4,000 miles, well, it wasn't quite that far for him, but, you know, whatever, being within a couple of miles is no big deal. And I wonder how some of the other solutions that they had mentioned work if they would have been in a situation like that inside a box, inside a truck, if, if you know, the uh, TomTom tracking devices work in, in that format. I mean, they must because they must be using a cellular network of some sort to, to, to transmit the data back to the individual. So they, they must use the same uh, technology. Right. But otherwise, you're right. It would not work very well because you're in a box inside a metal vehicle. Not good. Not going to work. Let's move on. Prison guards asking for the FCC to allow them to jam their cell phone signals. Some of the prison guard heads, I guess I should say, the, the commissioners of the prisons in 26 different states have asked that the FCC seek permission uh, to jam cell phone signals in and around prisons. It's, of course, illegal for prisoners to make and receive phone calls, and those running their correctional facilities say that inmates have often used contraband cell phones or other uh, items to plan and commit crimes. As it currently stands, only the federal government has permission to jam cell phone signals. Corrections Director John Osmond, who is the main voice behind the petition, said that state and local law enforcement agencies should be allowed to block cell phone signals from correctional institutes. The petition is being backed by U.S. senators who believe in Osmond's point and have legislation prepared to alter the law in favor of, of the prisons if the FCC doesn't agree with the petition. A CTIA spokesperson, John Walls, is skeptical about the jamming and believes that jamming systems will likely interfere with the service of neighboring citizens and businesses. The FCC has yet to comment on the petition. Well, Nokia's second quarter numbers are in, and the market share is up, but profits are down. The numbers for the second quarter are kind of a good news, bad news thing. While sales dropped by 25% year over year to 10, or just under $10 billion, and earnings per share came in at 15 euro cents, which is 60%, a 60% year over year decline, uh, Nokia is still, still selling a lot of phones. They showed a solid improvement compared to the first quarter with a 7% increase in net sales and a 103.2 million handset shipped number. That's up 11% from the first quarter. Global market share is somewhat uh, a bright spot as well. It's up from 37% in the first quarter to 38% in the second quarter. The Nokia Express Music 5800 was the shining star in the second quarter uh, with 3.7 million units sold. So some good news and some bad news for Nokia. Uh, not good to hear that some of the profits are down, but uh, still selling a lot of phones. So good news for Nokia. Well, Altel is running a back-to-school promotion for new and existing customers with the My Circle plans. The Smart Choice Packs 
bundled wireless internet packs and the aforementioned MyCircle plans uh, are now giving you the terms uh, of four new lines on an account, uh, paying $25 activation fee per line and getting three months of free service on all of these new lines. The promotion runs through September 10th and is available in the remaining 91 active Altel markets. Verizon Wireless offering up anonymous data from their their devices on their networks to improve real-time traffic information. AirSage is working with a whole cellular data traffic flow interconnection to allow the company to give the data over to them and give that information to cover 200,000 miles of roadway for improved information on how the traffic is for those streets. The companies aren't saying how long it will take to fully integrate the additional data, so in the meantime... Just make yourself uh, aware that the information is certainly available in major metro areas, but it could be coming soon in a more detailed fashion. Boost Mobile announced that it will be dropping the bundled price for any of the unlimited by Boost customer plans to match what is being offered on the IDEN network. Customers on the unlimited $50 unlimited talk, $60 unlimited talk and text, or $70 unlimited talks, tech, text, and web plans will be automatically switched to the new $50 rate for unlimited talking messaging and web use. The switch is available to customers in Alabama, Arkansas, California, Florida, Georgia, Hawaii, Louisiana, Mississippi, Nevada, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, and Texas. In addition to the price drop, Boost is eliminating home calling areas, which means the unlimited customers can now roam across all of Sprint's CDMA network without paying roaming fees. Boost Mobile has noted that unlimited customers will still have to pay taxes and fees on top of the $50 monthly charge. NTT Docomo, set to launch LTE in 2010, confirmed the president that the company will fully launch the LTE network in that year. It will be one of the first companies to deploy the LTE technology across the entire network. Well, time for our first sponsor, Audible. Audible is a new sponsor to the show, and you can take advantage of a special deal by heading over to audible.com slash cpj, or easily go over to thecellphonejunkie.com. We're going to have a banner on the right side there. So believe it or not, your BlackBerry doesn't have to be all business. The complete Audible experience for BlackBerry smartphones is here, and it's free. They're even throwing in a free book just for downloading the application. You can shop, sample, download, and playback audio from your Audible's catalog of 60,000 audiobooks and periodicals right to your BlackBerry. The application is available for both new and existing Audible customers, and it is compatible with virtually every BlackBerry, including the Storm, Bold, Curve, Pearl, and 8800 series. You'll get the ability to view every title available at audible.com's website. In addition to the thousands of business titles available from audible.com, there are tens of thousands of titles in every genre, including fiction, nonfiction, thrillers, science fiction, and more. To get your free BlackBerry application from Audible, send a text message with the word audiobooks to 35620 right from your phone. That's audiobooks to 35620. And for a limited time, Audible is offering Thomas Friedman's best-selling book, Hot, Flat, and Crowded, which is absolutely free when you download the free application. There's no credit card needed, no trial. The book is yours free just for downloading the app, so try it now. Send a text message with the word audiobooks to 35620. 
2.0. Into some device news here today. First off, the FCC has revealed the LG GW600 for AT&T. Documents seen on the FCC's website provide some details about the 600, a new Windows mobile phone that has a GSM and WCDMA 850 and 1900 band radio with Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and a micro SD card slot. The draft user manual mentions a number of features including GPS, a 3.1 megapixel camera, proximity and light sensors, video share, and AT&T services. It also mentions an accelerometer, flick gesture controls, and the use of a stylus, which makes the GW600 a touch-based device with resistive technology. Pictures show that the 20-key SureType style keypad and standard USB and audio jacks are included. Neither LG or AT&T have confirmed or announced this device. Well, we talked last week about some problems with the new Toshiba TG01 and its lack of responsiveness when being used on the Orange network. Well, unfortunately, the O2 network in Germany has released this device, and it has a virus. Apparently, uh, there's a, a, a number of devices, the TG01s, that are being shipped out with a device that is present on the device. Toshiba is trying to determine the impact and cause of the infection, and O2 has halted sales of the smartphone, though there's no word on whether sales will resume or if the infection has spread to other European nations and the other providers that have been distributing this device. Well, a BlackBerry for kids? That's what a Toronto child has asked the uh, CEO of the company. Apparently, a child took to a, uh, a question to, these, uh, to the high-up leaders of BlackBerry, stating, Are you going to make a phone more for kids so that my mom will let me get one, said a child in a packed audience at the annual general shareholders meeting at RIM on this past Tuesday. Apparently, the, uh, the CEO ummed and awed quite a bit and did not have a real good answer uh, for the child, but said that there's lots of opportunity, and if the current BlackBerry is unacceptable for your mother, hopefully the next ones will be, said co-chief executive Jim Bess, uh, Belseal. So very, uh, very interesting there. We'll see if uh, RIM comes up with a child BlackBerry. The BlackBerry 8520 st- slated for a two-month Walmart exclusive. That's starting August 5th, according to Engadget. Uh, from August 5th to October 5th of 2009, Walmart will be the exclusive phone carrier for the low-end BlackBerry 8520, which will have similar specifications to the 8900, but presumably have a few uh, less features packed into it. Uh, it's going to be a different style than the 8900 in that it's got a touchpad for navigation as opposed to the trackball. Uh, we'll be, be able to confirm this, hopefully, within the next few weeks. Nokia announced the Surge this week, and it's not a tidal wave. It's the new QWERTY-equipped sideways slider available on AT&T starting July 19th. Quad-band GSM and Edge with 850 and 1900 MHz HSDPA, Bluetooth 2.0, A2DP, FM radio. And according to Nokia, the Surge is aimed at users of social networks and offers most forms of messaging, including AT&T's video share, the ability to post to social networking sites uh, via the Juice Caster application, has 3G GPS, a 2-megapixel camera, and a flash-enabled web browser, running S63 edition, only $80 after a new agreement, requiring a $40 voice plan and $30 data plan. The E72 passes the FCC with a North American flavor. Those that have been listening to the show for the last year realize that the E71 was one of my all-time favorite devices. The E72 promises everything the E71 had and more, including, of course, the HSDPA included in the E71, plus a 5-megapixel camera, additional memory, and faster speeds. Uh, No additional details on when the device will be available, but good news in passing the FCC's scrutiny. 
T-Mobile's Samsung Highlight gets official and will have a July release. It's not T-Mobile's MyTouch 3G, but Samsung is going to take this feature phone to the next level with a large touchscreen display. Uh, two different colors, one fire, one ice, three megapixel camera, three times digital zoom with video capture, stereo Bluetooth, micro SD slot for 16 gigs of removable memory, music player, support for SMS, MMS, instant messaging, and email, uh, instant messaging support including AIM, Windows Live, Yahoo Messenger, email support on AOL, Yahoo, and POP3 accounts, corporate web access through the T-Mobile Web2Go service, AGPS, quad band GSM, uh, dual band HSDPA and UMTS on the 1700 and 2100 megahertz uh, networks, and a 240 by 400 pixel display screen. The uh, Samsung Highlight will be released here in just a few weeks. Retail price $150. AT&T and Sony Ericsson announcing one of the most touted phones for cameras with the Cybershot C905A being added to the AT&T lineup. The C905A's primary feature is the 8.1 megapixel camera, autofocus, xenon flash, and video capture round out the specifications of the camera. The 905A has a number of advanced shooting modes such as image editing, allowing users to fully customize how the camera functions, an increased uh, number of dedicated camera buttons to help increase the usability of the camera. Other features include a quad-band GSM and Edge network, as well as AT&T's HSDPA 3G for sending those large photos, scratch-resistant mineral glass, and Bluetooth, GPS, and FM radio, as well as a media player and support for 16-gig M2 memory cards. The C905 will be available July 19th after a $180 rebate on a new contract. Interesting that they stuck with the M2 memory card here, Joey. We had talked just a few weeks ago about how uh, Sony was going to be moving away from that to the microSD standard. Yeah, it's probably too late, uh, you know, because obviously these phones get designed, uh, you know, well in advance of the release. So this is probably uh, just before that cutoff, I'm sure, of the, the, the microSD and it's, I think it's too bad because this, I mean, granted, the specs are, are still really good, but I, I just, that, that M2 card, I mean, that, that they're going to be going away. But maybe you'll get some good deals on them here as they start closing stuff out. They've actually come down in price dramatically over the past, uh, what is it, th- three, four years. They've come down. They're almost the same price as microSD, so it's not such a big deal anymore. It used to, they used to be a uh, major premium, but now they're, I think they're almost neck and neck in price. And I think they're, 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 you know, this camera looks pretty good. I, we, I think we actually did get to see this one when we were at CTIA, did we not? I, I believe we did. And this was one of the ones, of course, with the 8.1 megapixel camera. I mean, obviously, you're, you're buying this phone for a specific reason. You're wanting to take pictures with it. They added all the other good features to it, but it is a true camera phone. So uh, keep this one in mind. I think it's a good one. Yeah, if you're worried about the, uh, the M2s, like you can get a, a 4 gig uh, M2 uh, for only 17 bucks on Amazon. Oh, okay, so you're easily able to probably get a 16 gig for under 100 bucks, which is, I, I guess, my, you know, my, my price point where I think it's, you know, I don't want to go over that when I'm buying these small media cards because if you lose them or whatever, you know, it's annoying. But 180 bucks after a two-year contract, so if you're a Photog, 8.1 megapixel camera here can be yours. Yep, and it's about $89 for a 16 gig. Okay, there you go. AT&T also announces this week the Sony Ericsson W518A Walkman phone comes with Sony Ericsson signature Walkman series features, including shake controlling for shuffling, gesture control for silencing calls, and Napster integration for downloading music. The W518A has a 3.2 megapixel camera, onboard 
Facebook application support and available on July 19th as well for $100 after rebates with new agreement. Sonny Erickson uh, also announced the W205 and W205A Walkman phones. Uh, These are two devices that have a lot in common. Music with the high-quality Walkman experience, FM radio to listen to the latest news, track ID, 1.3 megapixel camera, video recording, Bluetooth, multiple phone books, keep your contacts in order, and share them uh, on your mobile phone even with your family. And supporting that micro uh, or M2 memory stick, uh, with up to two gigabytes of support. These are going to be more affordable-based devices. Uh, they are probably not going to be coming to the U.S., so be looking to import if you're looking for one of these two. Time for our second sponsor, and that is Netflix. Thank you to them for being a uh, supporter and a sponsor of The Cell Phone Junkie. And you can support us by signing up for a two-week free trial of Netflix. Plans starting at $4.99 per month with over 100,000 titles to choose from. Keep each movie as long as you want with no late fees ever. Free shipping both ways. Free delivery in about one business day. Cancel any time. And as a bonus to your DVDs, watch some of the movies over the internet from a smaller library for no additional charge. So check out Netflix. And thanks to them for their support as always. Some software here, and actually a lot of software. The majority of the stuff this week came out on the software side. First, the App Store from Apple topped 1.5 billion downloads in the first year that it was available. Just a staggering number there. They've uh, obviously upped themselves from the 1 billion mark that they hit on April 23rd to the 1.5 billion mark here in mid-July. 65,000 applications are available from over 100,000 developers like I said, that $1.5 billion or billion download mark. It's available in 77 different countries, uh, available only in two different devices, the iPhone and the iPod Touch. Sales of around 40 million units at this point uh, with those uh, iPods and iPhones. Uh, that's 37.5 downloads of each different application. Or, uh, and uh, yeah, excuse me, an average of 37.5 downloads. Uh, per device, and, and each application has been downloaded roughly 23,077 times. Just staggering numbers there. Obviously, certain applications getting more downloads than others, but an average of 23,000 downloads per application. Just just unbelievable. I uh, wish I would have uh, programmed something for the iPhone back in its early days because, boy, you'd had the uh, early adopters on, on some of that because, because wow, that those are staggering numbers. Absolutely. They really are. Yeah, th- there's nothing like it. And Apple is really at a home run with this one, and there's a reason we talk about it all the time is because it is it is just unbelievable what they've done. And it's amazing to think that that was you know the the, the first generation iPhone didn't have applications yet. It was it was it was just awe. You know, it, it was unbelievable that, that that's how it was. I mean, it was you know what the the standard. I don't even know how many apps was it at the time. I think there were nine. Nine applications. <laughs> Just unbelievable. So anyway, uh, also iPhone related here. The iPhone 3.1 Beta 2 has uh, come out and been released to developers for review. And apparently it disables the unauthorized AT&T tethering. Uh, we have uh, talked about in the past how you can you know hack your iPhone to do tethering via jailbroken applications, but there's also ways to do it, such as heading over to certain websites and unofficially enabling the tethering of the phone. Well, the 3.1 update is breaking that functionality, so either get ready to start paying AT&T for the ability to tether your iPhone or simply don't upgrade when the 3.1 update comes out. Also, iTunes 8.2.1 was released, and guess what? It it cripples the the ability for the Palm Pre to synchronize 
with iTunes. In the log notes here of the update, it says that 8.2.1 provides a number of important bug fixes and addresses an issue with verification of Apple devices. So the Palm Pre users that are out there, you either do not want to update this at this point or figure out another way before you update on how to synchronize all your media because iTunes is not going to be a, a way to do it. But, you know, all along, Joey, this has felt kind of, you know, hacky because you you plug in your pre and it shows up at iTunes and it, it looks like it's an iPod, but it's really not. So it's obviously something that they were able to do, but it was just inevitable that this would happen. Yeah, they, they kind of used a workaround and, you know, maybe they can play a cat and mouse game and, and re-identify the pre as something different in their code. Um, but I don't know if, if Palm is going to deal with it or not. I'm not sure. We'll have to just kind of keep watch. I'm, I'm actually surprised that, uh, Apple did this. I think I had mentioned on the show that I thought maybe Apple will just keep, mm-hmm. uh, keep that uh, going just because, you know, they're going to miss out on revenue from iTunes themselves. So, uh, Apple's kind of hurting Apple here in this case. Well, you know what though? I think they're, they're trying to, you know, do what they do best and that's to completely control everything that is in you know their devices and everything that works on their devices and, and, and whatnot. And they say, we've got a piece of software here. We only want our stuff synchronizing with it. Or if we don't, if we want other stuff to synchronize with it, I think like BlackBerry allows you to do it. They want to authorize it. So I'm guessing it'll come back, but it'll, it'll take a little while here and something will have to happen to make it, you know, an agreement with yeah, Paul. Yeah, I suppose maybe. so. I, I, I guess, uh, you know, Apple support probably doesn't want to deal with people calling up. Uh, why doesn't my pre-sync right with iTunes? And they'll be like, well, we, we don't support that. Well, why does it work? Exactly. So they are uh, addressing the issue of verification of the devices. That's their official word on it. So keep that in one in mind. A couple of applications here that I found that I, I think are kind of interesting that I wanted to just mention, and I have not tried either one of them, but I'm, I'm going to hopefully here very soon. Both of them do the same functionality, and that is pushing out Twitter notifications via the uh, the push enabled services on your iPhone. So if you've got a, a a Twitter account and you use it to communicate with people, and you get a lot of the at replies or what they call mentions or direct messages, and you don't get the the updates via your email for your direct messages, one of these two applications may work for you. The first one is called Boxcar, and it looks like Boxcar works in conjunction with your existing Twitter application, either uh, Tweety or Twitterific. And uh, it looks to essentially pull the information from that account, and it uses the API to go out and find out if you've had any mentions or any uh, direct messages, and then pushes that notification direct to your screen. Uh, this application is, it's very simple, just pops up, uh, you know, a little notification says boxcar, and then the at message or the direct message to you. It's relatively cheap, only two bucks. Uh, it looks like it could be a good option. Granted, it does require the use of another Twitter application on the device, though, so keep that one in mind. The other application is one called TwitBit. It does the same thing, pops up a notification on your screen, letting you know of mentions or direct messages. It's $5, but here's the thing. It doesn't have to be configured to use any other application on your iPhone, so it's essentially a standalone client. Uh, it's also a full-fledged Twitter client, so you can actually use it to read your messages if you wanted to then go in and actually you know, use it as your Twitter application. So uh, both of those are interesting to check out, and I'm a, I'm a Twitter user. Uh, you can find me at uh, TCPJ underscore Mickey. Joey's at TCPJ underscore Joey. And you can follow us, and you can send us at replies or direct messages, and, and it's great, but I don't always see them right away. So I'm trying to figure out what's going to be my workaround for it, and this could be 
You never know. Twitter may come out with something even better. Uh, but these are the ones that are out there for right now. Uh, so I just wanted to mention both of those if you're a Twitter user. Well, Google announced a new service for the iPhone that will help finding local results a little bit easier. Using the Safari browser, iPhone users who visit Google.com can turn on the My Location feature. With it enabled, Google will return results that are relevant to the location of the phone. For example, if a user searches for coffee, Google will send them the results of the coffee shops that are nearby. The feature requires the user to opt in, and it can be turned off at any time. If the user happens to change locations, there's a tool that will allow them to update the location on the Google homepage. I've actually uh, enabled this on my device. It works fairly well. I've found that doing searches for you know local establishments are popping up as they should, just up front. So it, it does work. So if you're an iPhone user you know, and you like to search with Google, go to google.com on the iPhone Safari browser and uh, make sure you click on preferences and enable the My Location features. Microsoft beginning to accept app submissions on July 27th. They provided information about the forthcoming Windows Marketplace for mobile this past week, stating that on the 27th of this month, Microsoft will accept the applications in all 29 supported countries. Microsoft is also hosting an application contest, which will begin on the same day for Windows Marketplace for mobile that will work with Windows Mobile 6.0 and 6.1 devices, by the end of the year. So for those that were interested in that piece of information, they will be working on that. Microsoft said that it'll be creating a dedicated business center, which will focus and on and help sell and deliver applications to the business customers. Microsoft will share more information at the Worldwide Partner Conference later in the week. Well, the Windows Marketplace application submission process looks like uh, it could be a, a very strong one. For the Windows mobile platform, we've got well over 10,000 applications that have been circling around for quite a while now, and a lot of people are going to want to get those applications in that store. The app stores seem to be the big deal right now. We're going to talk a little bit more about those in a little bit. Uh, but I think the big news coming out of this is the 6.0 and 6.1 uh, support for the marketplace. That was a, something that we were really hoping to see, but didn't know if we would. BlackBerry launching a community site this week, uh, confirming from RIM that the BlackBerry-specific site is called My Blackberry. It is a place for BlackBerry users to socialize, share information, and learn about new applications. You need to register to participate, but it is free to use. Google this week created a mobile version of the Google Voice service, which is uh, an offering dedicated applications for Android and BlackBerry platforms. Google Voice lets the user of the service set up telephone services and make phone calls via the Internet. Formerly known as Grand Central, Google Voice's mobile application will allow users of Android and BlackBerry handsets to make and receive phone calls from the Google Voice number, send and receive text messages, check their voicemail, see message transcripts, and even have messages read aloud. It functions similar to Skype in that it will use the phone's data capabilities to complete the phone calls and send messages. Google and Apple are working on a Google Voice application also for the iPhone. The application is free, but some calling services, such as international calling, do cost additional money. We talked, I think it was last week, about uh, an application that I had been using from a question called GV Mobile. And uh, this is going to completely crush that market, unfortunately. The users of the GV, GV Mobile service or the, uh, the, either the free or the paid version, and there's actually a couple other ones out there too, are not going to need this after they come out with the iPhone uh, application. So uh, I think it's a good thing you know, to get these out for the, the, uh, the uh, operating systems that are highly competitive with Google 
uh, and uh, Android and BlackBerry, that is. So uh, it's available. Head over to m.google.com slash voice, and you can download it. And uh, hopefully it's working well. Haven't had a chance to check that one out yet on the BlackBerry, but uh, I'm sure based on what I've read and seen, it looks like it will be good. BlackBerry's OS 5.0 to have tabbed browsing. This one uh, came out of nowhere from the boy genius and showing that when you head over to the new browser on the BlackBerry, you can open now new tabs and then clicking on the menu key allows you to switch tabs going between the, the tabs that you have that are open. Not quite as intuitive as what you'd see on, say, uh, the, uh, you know, obviously the desktop or something like Opera, uh, yet nonetheless taking advantage of uh, the limited infrastructure or architecture of BlackBerry and, and how they need to do it. So it does look like it's going to work just fine and you'll be able to have multiple windows open at the same time. Something that everybody, uh, I think, including uh, both you know you and I, Joey, agree is something that's almost necessary when you're trying to uh, do any sort of you know work in your browser these days. Well, it, it, it's so nice to have you know tab browsing. It, it, you know, in PCs, you could open up multiple uh, instances of you know web browsers before they had the tabs. But on your mobile device, you are really limited, and it it is very frustrating to have to bounce back and forth between websites and especially if logins or forms are involved you're basically sol it, it becomes almost unusable uh so it's it's great to have tab browsing i i that's the one thing that would be nice on the centro yeah it works really good on the iphone i'll tell you that safari's you know lets you open up eight tabs or whatever and it works really well takes up a lot of memory but it works really well so Verizon Wireless said it's going to provide an automatic software update for the Samsung Omnia. This update unlocks the GPS and allows the phone to interact with third-party applications such as Google Maps. Other enhancements from the update include the latest Microsoft AKU Update 1.5.1, enhanced zooming for Internet Explorer, site or excuse me, slight user uh, interface modifications, various additional improvements to improve handset functionality. Uh, Verizon Access Manager support for Bluetooth connections and correction of memory shortage shortage issues. So check that one out. It is available from Samsung. Well, uh, the HotSync, uh, I guess, protocol or conduit, we'll call it, has been very popular among the Palm users for many, many years here. And it is coming to the web OS with the classic emulator for the Palm Pre. Joey, you found this story, and I find it quite interesting, and I, I, I think it, it warrants a little bit of discussion, because the ability when you use the, obviously, the classic emulator on the web OS is, is great, but if you can't get that data over to your applications, it's, it, you know, it, it may be a little bit useless. So this could be taking, you know, that to the next level for those that have Palm and have a lot of the Palm apps, this could be your solution now. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's a minor, it's a minor change, but it, has major implications based on yeah uh previous applications custom written applications um you know there's you know the number of palm os users is obviously you know reducing but i know there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of of users of palm os and you know specialty apps that they don't want to lose support for hot syncing and you know that support on the pre and the newer os's so it's great that they're you know making steps forward here and especially including the hot sync manager, because uh, to me, now I see this as the possibility where let's say you have contacts and calendar uh, supporting databases in classic, where it, there was no interface between the pre's databases and the classic OS databases. Now this can bridge the gap if you're using, um, you know, uh, let's say Outlook, for example, on your computer. So now you could possibly 
you know, get contacts back into your, your emulated environment of the old Palm OS. So it's, uh, I think it opens up quite a few doors here and, and it's really nice to see that. And you're a little bit limited in how you sync because it looks like right now the operations are working over Bluetooth or Wi-Fi, but you, you can't tether it, which I don't know. Do you think that's a problem? It is a slight problem based on speed. Um, right now, I'm forced to sync uh, hot sync over Bluetooth uh, with Windows 7 64-bit because uh, Palm has never decided to write uh, 64-bit drivers, uh, USB drivers. So um, it, it takes a long time. I have about 70 megabytes worth of data on my device. And it, uh, after the initial sync took like two hours, it, it, it takes 25 minutes or so to do the hot sync, which is... Uh, dreadfully slow compared to the USB, but it's way better than nothing, especially when USB Bluetooth dongles, you can get them for, you know, eight, eight, nine bucks. Hmm. Uh, that's a good point. I, I never, I didn't think about the speed aspect of it. Of course, the Centro doesn't have Wi-Fi in it, so you wouldn't be able to, you know, take advantage. Well, I mean, obviously this is for uh, the web OS, but what I'm, I guess what I was thinking was if you could do it over Wi-Fi, that could be another option, but no Wi-Fi in the yeah, device. Yeah, and so. that would be dramatically faster. Mm-hmm. And this is something that with these these newer operating systems that they're, and I shouldn't say with all of them, but um, <clears throat> you're sometimes limited in the way that you can do the syncs. Uh, obviously, Windows Mobile kind of started it where they switched over the ability to synchronize your, uh, your, your through ActiveSync to non-Wi-Fi. Now, HotSync is, with Palm is saying, it has to be over Wi-Fi. On the iPhone, it only does the data that's in your iTunes through the cable and the rest of it has to be synced over Wi-Fi. So you're you're not uh, there's not real standardization here with synchronizing for third-party applications. But uh, nonetheless, we're talking about Palm here and uh, Hot Sync coming to Classic. So I think it's good news, and hopefully those that are using the Palm older applications will take advantage of the emulator and be able to sync their stuff with no problems. Well, Palm announced this week that they would be providing the WebOS Software Development Kit or SDK called Mojo and additional documentation available immediately to anyone interested in developing for the WebOS platform. Palm also announced that there will be plenty of applications in the pipeline that will be added to the Palm Apps Catalog very soon. Palm will begin uh, accepting submissions for the new applications starting in the fall. The Mojo SDK and associated documents are the tools that developers need to create applications, games, and other content for the WebOS platform. Will Verizon possibly planning their own app store? It uh, won't include the Windows applications. It looks like Verizon jumping in and saying they're going to be doing an application store as well. The announcement will be on July 28th. Verizon's Ryan Hughes, who's a VP of Partner Management, said in an interview this past week that network the network operator's app store will be the sole marketplace on the devices sold by the company, meaning stores such as RIMS, BlackBerry AppWorld, and Microsoft's Windows Mobile Marketplace won't get placement on Verizon handsets unless a consumer downloads them. Hughes also said that Verizon is focusing on aggregating content from four different development communities, including Windows, Palm, Android, and BlackBerry. So it looks like Verizon could be taking this and trying to capitalize on it uh, themselves, uh, but uh, we'll just have to see if how this one ends up taking off. Haven't we? I mean, haven't they launched like hundreds of app stores? It feels like they've launched hundreds of app stores in the past, and none of them seem to ever go anywhere. It's just my opinion. It's kind of like the app store is uh, the, the like the the thing to do. It's got a little cachet. And uh, let's talk about a couple more. LG launching its own app store on this past Tuesday, July fourteenth. The LG application store has over 1,400 applications. That's uh, 
about uh, 1,370 more than the Palm Store right now. Available in 15 different languages, 100 applications will be free. LG planning on targeting the Asian markets such as Singapore, Malaysia, and Australia with the applications first. It will then expand to Europe and South America by the end of the year, and it expects to have more than 2,000 applications available for consumers to buy at that point. LG has not announced any plans for an LG application store yet here in the U.S., and Symbian then announces a application store called Horizon, its own platform for, for publishing mobile applications. Horizon's a code once published to many syndication service where developers submit their applications or app ideas to Symbian. Symbian will pick the best apps, polish them, and publish them to whichever app stores are appropriate for that particular application. This will let developers write an application once. Symbian will then take over the burden of publishing it, charging them, charging for them, managing the metadata for them, and so on. Symbian has said that they are completely open to submissions for the Symbian One platform, but also noted that it will that it will take whatever apps it can get. Symbian hopes to automate many of the processes involved in publishing applications in the near future to make it even easier. Verizon Wireless announced that it will prove be providing Slacker Radio to BlackBerry Storms as a free over-the-air update. Slacker Radio lets users create their own custom radio stations, and the free version of Slacker is being provided to the Storm. Uh, we'll insert ads from time to time. Verizon is also integrating Slacker Radio with its Vcast Music Store, and will allow users to download tracks they hear on Slacker via Vcast Music Store while the, the track is still playing over the Slacker Radio application. Users will be notified that a Slacker song is available in the Vcast store with a little icon that will appear on the player is available via the blackberry app world currently and those who already have the app installed will be offered the free upgrade some questions and comments this week first one question from matt he says okay so i'm confused with this unlocked gps thing the forms are all over the place on the verizon tour and whether or not it has a locked gps unit i'm looking at getting a couple of blackberry soon and it would be uh, i was going to do the tour and a curve if I can get on Verizon and get it to do the following with both phones, Google Latitude, BlackBerry Messenger location request, show me moving on BlackBerry Maps when traveling, Google Maps location request, beyond 411 services, and where searches for location-based companies. Will these work on both the Curve and the Tour? I know Sprint offers this on both devices, but how about Verizon? My other question is, I have a Verizon tower and a Sprint tower in my backyard with coverage that is great for both. I can get the same discount with both companies, and I have a family that is with Verizon, and I work and work that is with Sprint. Do I flip a coin and figure which company to go with? Is there a major hardware difference between the two tours? What company would you go with? Matt. All right, Matt. Well, let's answer the first question first. Uh, both of these devices that you're talking about, the Tour and the Curve, do have unlocked GPS units in them now. Uh, the newer software for the Curve unlocks the GPS, which was previously locked, and the Verizon uh, version of the Curve, is, or excuse me, the Tour, as well as the Sprint version, have that un- the GPS unlocked in it. So it is actually, you shouldn't have to think too much about that. Um, as far as the applications that are available, the BlackBerry Messenger location request. You know, I've I've tried this one and I'm I've have had very little um, success with it, and uh, I, I so I can't say that that's going to work for you perfectly on the curve. I, I can't speak to the tour because I I don't have a tour to test with that. Um, beyond four one one searches, where searches, and Google Maps location request should all be just fine. You should be able to log into any of these services and be able to use the GPS, of course. Granted that you're outside, uh, that's going to be the easiest way to do it. But that's uh, that's the answer to that. Going to the question about going with Verizon or Sprint, 
you know, with the 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 basis of what you're telling us, it kind of sounds like it's you know six in one, half a dozen in the other. If you want to take the time to analyze your bills, figure out who you talk to more, it may help you out a little bit with who you decide to go with. Even if you do choose, you know, you talk to more sprint people. If, is it only a few people? Depending on the Verizon plan you get, you can get that unlimited, you know, calls to your favorite five people. The thing that they took over uh, from Altel when they acquired Altel, so you could do that as well. Uh, price, you said you get discounts, but I'm guessing the price is, is uh, you know, going to be a little bit different depending on and which one you go with. How many minutes do you need? Uh, there's a lot of factors involved in this. I would say also, how's the service in your area? I don't recall where you're from. I'm thinking Michigan could be totally off on that one, but, um, you know, if sprint is bad in your area, then it may not be worth your time to get it. Um, you know, just kind of keep those questions in mind. Yeah. And, and, and that's, yeah, it's at home. That's great. You've got the sprint and Verizon coverage. Good, but yeah, it, it kind of depends how much traveling you're going to do. Cause traditionally Verizon seems to have slightly better you know, coverage on average. So if you travel, um, you'll probably be happier with Verizon. I'd say uh, still Verizon's customer support is probably better than Sprint's um, on average for sure. Uh, so those are other things to kind of look at. And if you're in, in right now, um, you know, if you didn't have discounts that brought the prices, you know, in line, usually if you go with the everything plan that Sprint has right now and limited everything of everything, um, that will be cheaper than Verizon. So, uh, by a good percentage, uh, every month. So that's something to kind of keep in mind. Uh, but otherwise the hardware I think is, is identical. I, do they even have a different color? Uh, they are, I think they're, they look a little bit different, but it, it, it shouldn't be terribly, uh, you know, shouldn't be terribly different. Um, you know, the whole thing with, uh, the the differences with the tours and the differences between that and the curve, you've got a lot of of upgrades that happen. Whether it was the camera, uh, the memory, the operating system, so I, I would I would unless you're looking strictly for price, which could definitely be the case, or just the person doesn't necessarily care who's going to be getting it. Uh, I would almost you know push you towards the tour for both of the devices, just because you have the latest you know software that's out there. Granted, the, the curve is a great device. That's what I use, but. Um, if I could, I would probably upgrade to the uh, to the tour at this point. But again, it's you know, there's a lot of reasons to not go with it. You know, three hundred dollar price point, uh, five hundred dollars if you don't if you're uh, you know in the middle of a contract right now. So it's it's very expensive. The, tr- the curve is definitely cheaper. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I suppose there's a couple other features like Sprint TV and things would make maybe a maybe. slight difference. Um, you know, in, in feature set, but that would be about it. You know, bottom line, Matt, you've got a a great opportunity to choose the same piece of hardware and you get to choose your network, which is more than most people do because most people take a look at the device that they want and then just settle with the network. Whether or not it works is a whole other question. So uh, you really need to, you know, take a hard look. If you're with Sprint or Verizon right now, I would ask you why you're looking to change. If you don't have good service, then, you know, now's a great opportunity. But if you're with one of them and it works fine for you, I, I don't see a reason to change. So. Um, just my thought, but anyway, hopefully that answers it. And, uh, you know, good luck with that, uh, you know, that choice tour looks like a real nice piece of hardware. Next one's a comment from Antonio and he says, Antonio here again, just wanted to thank you for your alternative solution that you proposed to my question regarding the offline email sync with my Nokia E90. In fact, I do have a Wi-Fi router that I use to connect my laptop and PSP. 
and my E90 for downloading podcasts, namely the Cell Phone Junkie. I've set up the connection process, tried it out, and it works like a charm. It's dead simple to set up the mailbox in the Symbian OS, and as long as the Wi-Fi connection stays on, I can have a sort of Wi-Fi push email solution, like you've stated on the previous show with the E75. Thank you so much for your point, pointing out that solution that I have to confess it, confess it pleases me even more than what I was trying to do initially. One other thing, one of my email address accounts is on Hotmail. Through my Google research, I found that it is now possible to create a Hotmail inbox directly on the phone or a PC mail client. Through the, uh, through the last years, I've had to rely on the Outlook connector and the Windows Live program on the phone to see what my Hotmail account was like because there were no settings available. I found out that the settings were officially re- released a few months ago uh, in Ask Leo. I installed everything with no hassle as any other mail account. So here's a link for you. Since this information is more or less recent, I hope it could be useful and new for some of your listeners. I finish uh, this already long email with a request or suggestion. In the last shows, you've talked about your experience with the E75 and the Symbian OS with much enthusiasm. Can you leave a short list, if it's not too long to broadcast, maybe, uh, of the applications you've tried out and recommend? That should be interesting, at least for me and the Symbian S63 edition users out there. Thanks, uh, one more time, keep up the great work. Looking forward to the next show, Antonio. Well, Antonio, thank you, first of all, for the recommendation here. I've got a link for everyone. If you're looking to set up access to your Hotmail account, uh, it's relatively easy to do with the POP3 uh, protocol through pop3.live.com and SMT, smtp.live.com as the servers, and it just goes through how you set it up. But it looks pretty easy. Uh, great news, though, for those that the people that use Hotmail still. The other thing you can do is uh, if you're using a Gmail account and you've got an old Hotmail account like I did, you can actually set up Gmail to pull your Hotmail account, pull the emails in, and Gmail will actually treat Hotmail like any other mail client. So if you read the email, it will, uh, it, you know, and delete it or file it or whatever, it'll basically take care of that on the Hotmail server. So you literally never have to log into hotmail again if you don't want to so so great news there uh for the users of hotmail and uh, hopefully that can help somebody out so i feel it was good information as far as applications that i've tried out you know i honestly i've been uh i've been a little lax in the in the applications that i've done just because a lot of what i've been using my phones for recently have has been pretty limited uh whether it's email calendar contacts and the built-in applications i i've ventured out and i've uh, you know i've tried some twitter applications uh, if you're interested in Gravity, it's a good one. Uh, I've also, of course, used Joyku Spot, and that's the the free version, the one that I've used. And that application allows you to take the 3G data connection that you have and share it over the Wi-Fi connection of the device. So if you want to share uh, your 3G with you know one or multiple devices, you can do so with the Joyku Spot. It's great in that it's free. It's limited, though, in the free version to only port 80 uh, traffic, I believe. And so you're going to be limited in what you can do. But if it's just simple web browsing, you should be just fine. So check that out. Uh, Otherwise, there's a paid version too. Also, the Nokia applications such as uh, Conversations that allows you to uh, pull all together uh, all your messages, your SMS messages in a threaded manner is a nice application as well as the... Oh, I can't remember it. It's, I think it's called Nokia Radio, or there's some radio application that gives you access to all sorts of different streaming online stations, which sound really, really good, uh, whether it's over the built-in speaker of your device, which most of the Nokia ones that I've tried have, have been pretty decent, or uh, through the headphones. So uh, nice, uh, nice couple of just you know ones to try there. Sling Player doesn't work for my E75. It didn't work for my E71. 
Uh, I have not installed Skype. I know Skype is on the N97. I don't know if it's on the 75, if that's available yet. I, I, I always install it on my devices, and I never use it. I just never find a need. I'm only using Skype really on the computer. So, But uh, anyway, that's those kind of some of the ones that I recommend. I don't have a whole lot right now, unfortunately, but as I think of them, I'll be sure to talk about them on the show. I still have the E75. No one ended up wanting it. So if you're out there and you want an E75, shoot me an email. I'm more than happy to take a bargain. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep it because it's kind of a fun phone. I kind of like it, but whatever. Last one here is a voicemail, and it's from our dear friend, Allie. Hey, Mickey. It's Allie. I just wanted to call and wish you and the cell phone junkie a happy birthday because you are the cell phone junkie. Congratulations. Allie, thank you very much, of course, for your wonderful comments. We certainly appreciate uh, your support of the show, as always, and uh, for uh, everything that you've done to help us out and uh, spread the word of the Cell Phone Junkie. So three years in, Joey, 164 shows. We've got uh, well over 200,000 downloads of the show, and we're still going strong. It's been uh, it's been a great run. Thanks, everybody, for your support of the show. Thanks for a great last three years, and uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be loving every minute of the next three. So until next time, if you have any questions or comments, 206-203-3734 or questions at thecellphonejunkie.com is how you can get in touch with us. Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.